0: Dedication of this episode goes to the Bahamas after the effects of Hurricane Dorian. This episode is for y'all. family <laughs> i have to start getting happy when i come on this piece we are at the season finale of american tour finally podcasting season two man it's been a great one i thank everybody who uh supported the show listen to the show every sunday you know i'll, I'll kind of apologize for the two-week break in july that i took when i first started but hey things happen and uh we're still here baby so um you know how you guys doing you know it's Sunday, beautiful day out. You know, I'm pretty sure you guys are soaking up the sun uh, today um, here in New York. We have the African-American Day Parade up in Harlem. So that's going to be dope. Hope you guys checked it out. It's 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 all good. So, um, you know, before we get into this idea of America is racist, I had to do some time to reflect, do a little bit of things to to to, to really gear myself together on what is it that I wanted to talk about. It's a lot to unpack. Because on one hand, do I feel like America is 100% racist? I don't know. But like, you have things like a caste system where it's dominated between poor, like really poor, poor working class, middle class, and upper class. Then of course you would say rich. And then to say like there's no Racism or some ties into it is hearsay, especially when you have things like, of course, they have the case That just came out the other day. William H Macy's wife, and if you know who William H Macy is, that's the guy that plays the father on um, Shameless. His wife had just got in trouble for a college scam, and she only spent 14 days in prison. But they also did a on on Instagram. I saw this. They also did a comparison of a mother who, um, decided to. Put their child in a school that wasn't in her district So because of that She had to serve, what, like 10 years in jail or something like that And I've seen a lot of these college scams A lot of these 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 money Embezzlements into these schools And especially William H. Macy's wife About how um, With the college scam that they She was paying people with the SATs To manipulate the test scores for her daughter So that she can get into a higher place school And this doesn't surprise me Because This comes with money and power, but at the same time, when it comes to this, is race an actual issue? Because then does it have to deal with politics and kind of hear me out on this, because the idea of it is money embezzlement and paying all the top dollars to, to get them to go to these different schools and have these different opportunities. But it's like 14 days in jail compared to five to 10 years in prison. I mean, you do the comparisons. 14 days is two weeks. That's nothing compared to five to 10 years in prison for sending your child in a different school district because you wanted them to get a better education. And it, and, it, and it really blows my mind. But then I think about the black politics, especially in New York, who got in trouble for money embezzlement. And, you know, what was their verdict? You know, like, I don't I don't remember what they got, but I mean, I'm pretty sure they got in trouble. They went to jail or they're holding right now. But would it be 14 days in prison or would it be years in prison for money embezzlement? And that's politics. You already know politicians as dirty as I don't know what. So when I'm doing this episode, I'm really trying to gear what I'm trying to put into perspective. Whether I really want to think that America is really racist or am I just trying to make this stuff up because I'm frustrated as a so-called black man, as a so-called African-American. Terms that I don't even agree to say. Like <laughs> I was just thinking about the Jay-Z song. I'm not black, I'm OJ, like stuff like that. So, you know, we're going to get into it, family. And um, yeah, let's just really get into it. You know, this is the last episode. Let's really let's really hit the nail on the head. Let's really be honest, you know? So. We'll start off with this idea of make America great again speech. And uh, has America ever been great? I mean, at the core, you're talking about a country that was built upon the manual labor of slaves and the trail of tears and all these different things to put so-called Native Americans at a disadvantage. But the founding of America or the founding of, uh, well, basically gentrifying a whole landmass, really, comes from the idea of Europeans... Escaping into the new world, which was America at the time, from Europe because of the excommunications and religious intolerance, because of the stuff that they had to deal with when they was out there, and in fact, the matter that you know the church and the state was giving them a hard time because certain rules that they have to follow, and they didn't certain they didn't follow those rules, they would be excommunicated, and what what it means by excommunicated, you could be killed, you could be assassinated, you could be and persecution, and all these different things if you didn't follow their laws and their, their their rules. So you have the Puritan, the Quakers, you have all these people who escape from those land masses out in, the, in Europe who decide to come to the New World. I've heard history say that so-called Native Americans called, before America, Turtle Island. So we can get into a whole perspective of that. We come over to America, pre-America. They didn't know what they was doing. They didn't build. They, they they couldn't really build stuff on their own. They couldn't really be self sufficient. They tried to find who's the biggest and the strongest, and um, obviously it was the Native Americans at that time, you know, and uh, building all the everything from piece to piece to piece. Huh. I mean, you have that, then you have um, you know, the reali- religious intolerance, as I said, the New World, um. I'm trying to get into the space of what else happened. You know, you had uh, the whole thing with the, the boats of the 1600s bringing over the slaves, and now it's the story that I was given. Well, also, that, that makes me think about the Charles Darwin theory, you know, about the theory of evolution, but I don't really want to get into that right now. But um, the 1600s and about the missionaries and about the missionaries and the explorers that went around, well, primarily on the East Coast. They was going around and just start finding different land masses and coming into contact with the indigenous of the land. And, you know, they described them as dark and, you know, mass, very masculine and this, that, and the third to describe, especially the men, when it came to the indigenous people in America. So we get back into the 1600s about the arrival of slaves, the slave ships, this, that, and the third, converting uh those slaves into religion, to Christianity, and this, that, and the third, primarily Catholicism. And the whole day about trading, especially in New York, we had the whole thing that happened with the trade of New York for $24 worth of trinkets, which was by the Shinnecock Indians and uh, the different Indians that was in that landmass, because New York is primarily known of being one of the, well, not necessarily the, well, there's the Algonquin speaking places, but Algonquin is not really a tribe of the Native American ancestry. It's primarily a language. Well, also when you go with that, um, you know, New Amsterdam being created, Wall Street being the primary source of trade, you know what I'm saying? And New York was a capital, um, first, but I think it was like a capital for the day, for a day, and then it was Philadelphia, and then it moved to Washington D.C. later in life. So we're talking about the slave ships. We're talking about them finding the biggest and the baddest, and well, not the biggest and the strongest to build these new civilizations for them and you know, not being guaranteed anything, working for free labor and being prisoners of war. Uh, you know, you get into that whole theory, but at the same time, these Europeans that start to age and start to become in the American society, pre-America, in the 13 colonies and stuff like that, they have to be in war with the Dutch, the French, and all these other people, the British, well, primarily the British, and all these different things that was going on So, you know, that that gives headways into the tensions of the 1700s. And with the 1700s, it was this whole idea of like, you know, fighting for independence because being still being owned by the British colon, the British, not the British colonies, but the British being owned by the British. And, you know, being like, you know, this is our land now, you know. You know, we're doing what we're doing. We don't need no execution. We need we don't need no rules from you. We're trying to do our own thing. So, the fight for independence, the battle for independence, 1776, the victories won. They, uh, you know, came out with the whole thing. I remember the song, This Land is Your Land, This Land is My Land. All this other garbage that they came out with. But we also can't forget about how they treated the Native Americans during that time. You know, you had things like. A lot of acts that came in, like the, the, the Dawes Act and, you know, all these different things that came into play to disgruntle and put Native Americans at a disadvantage. <sighs> Trail of Tears, where they led Native Americans into places away from where they was originally from. And then on the way, killing off the Native Americans and, you know, bashing the babies against the, um, the trees so that they die. Also still annexing land, the whole idea of the the Awakening period and the Second Great Awakening, which was the divine right to annex land and to go to different territories that they weren't familiar with before. That's also makes me think about the Lewis and Clark adventures, about how they basically raped, and I say this and I mean it, raped Pocahontas. (laughs) Everybody has the romanticizing story because of Disney, but the real story is that they raped Pocahontas, and she had became... Um, European washed and betrayed the original tribe that she came from so with that that happened she dies at 25 uh, you, have, you have the story of Sacagawea I remember the story but it's not in my head right now so I'm sorry so you have the Lewis and Clark adventure you have the gold rush A lot of people coming out to California, Oregon for the Oregon Trail in California for the plot of gold and finding out gold is accessible and they could buy gold and this, that and the third. A lot of states coming into fruition. But at the same time, when we're talking about slavery and all the hard labor that's been done with slavery, uh, you know, certain territories that's been stolen by today's Mexicans, Native Americans and whatever have you. The story about them, you know. Oh, yeah, and the story about the Cowboys, about how they whitewashed it, and that we all should know that the Cowboys was not originally white. They were black. as with everything, you know. They they lie and they whitewash everything. So you have those whole things going on, the annexations of land, and, uh yeah. That's the stuff that happens The Native Americans with the different acts and coming into fruition about how, you know, later on, they felt sorry for what they did. So they wanted to provide some type of reparations to the Native Americans. But it came with a different type of, uh, you know, discrepancy. So there was always a, a catch to what they was doing. So in order to do this, they came out with the laws. And it was like you know we want to give the money back to the Native Americans or some type of land mass back and reservations whatever have you. But then they came up with the idea of having being able to purchase the birthright of a Native American for five dollars. So that's the reason why today they sit here and they talk about five dollar Indians because there are five dollar Indians. One of one of them that I can name right now is Elizabeth Warren. She's not Indian. She is a white woman that benefited off of the five dollar Indian Act, and. Became the I became this whole idea of being saying that I'm Indian, I'm this that, and the third. No, you're you're a five dollar Indian. You're a white person that stole the birthright from Native Americans. We get further into the rabbit hole, um, the treatment of slaves. Let's not forget, you know, at the core, yes, it was beatings, it was lynchings, it was this, that, and the third. Um, we also have to talk about how they fed um, black babies to alligators, and it was alligator bait. All these different things. Before I get into that, you know, a lot of people think that it was just blacks that got lynched. That's not true. Any nation that came into American soil prior to the 1900s got lynched by the white mob. Let me say this again. Any nation that came into America prior to the 1900s was lynched by the white mob. Asians, that includes you. Indians, I don't know further history about indians except for you guys coming during the modern times and i'm sorry if it's ignorance but i'm pretty sure indians and i'm not talking about native americans i'm talking about indians indians that indians that like come from india you understand what i'm saying And india actually means savage if you do the mythology of it so etymology the etymology of india is savage so you have that go on um, Mexicans was lynched. Let's not forget Mexicans. You were lynched. You were lynched. And, you know, you had a tough time in battling. You had the Spanish and uh, Spanish American War. You had a lot of things that was going on during that time. But you guys were lynched. Also, you had the unfair treatment of the Asians, specifically the Chinese that had came to the, the States back in that time and them helping to create the transcontinental railroad of 1869. And all these different things. But you guys was lynched too because, you know, and especially when you guys know about your um, stereotypes that comes from the jealousy of white supremacy and white men that were um, jealous the fact of the matter that you could make love to the white women that was out there. Because white men were very protective of their white women and white women was out there giving up the cooch to different nations and all that other stuff. White men was raping but white women was Taken. <laughs> if you understand My point. So um, You know black people of Today that you like to say you know all These hard times and all these different things that Happened. We weren't the only people that was Lynched in America. Everybody Even Native Americans was lynched Everybody was lynched. It was A practice funded by the white supremacy And they was able to get away with it. So You know next time you want to sit here And tease a black person for being lynched I would dare you to do your history because you was lynched too. So let's get back into it. Let's bring it back about the 1800s. And when it came to the 1800s, you had the the whole idea of now them talking about abolition, abolitionists of slavery. You know, of course, you had the women's suffrage movement during that time, 1848. And a lot of scholars that was black that really wanted to bring about change and about automatically, you know, uh, getting rid of slavery. But at the same time, slavery in the South became a big thing because of the fact and the matter that they was able to make trades with different places around the world because the materials that they was getting out of the South and that the slaves was producing, they was able to trade it to different countries and able to get large amounts of money for their trade. So they don't want to give that up, you know? Um, that brings us into the whole thing about Civil War, Confederacy against the Northern Union. And when it comes to that, about how they promised black people to fight the war that you get 40 acres and a mule and you'll get land and you'll get this that and a third you understand what i'm saying so with that you also have the idea of abraham lincoln coming into play and then before that was ulysses s grant yeah ulysses s grant but talking about abraham lincoln abraham lincoln quote-unquote freed the slaves but it's not because he wanted to that's what I think a lot of people should understand. It wasn't because he wanted to free the slaves. It's because of fact of matter, it was a fair military tactic on how he can win the war. So in order to cut off exactly what was the cash cow, which was slaves producing all these different things, he's like, OK, me as president, if I win the war, you're going to you're going to you're going to free the slaves and they're going to be able to be freed. But again, I must tell you, Abraham Lincoln was just as ag- just as against. Slaves being free just as much as the Confederates was against it. It's just the fact of the matter that he was able to use it against them and be able to come up with a theory that could basically cripple their whole entire society. Because, you know, the Confederates was like, we want to stay to ourselves. We don't want to be affiliated with the northern, um, northern, like, damn it, <laughs> colonies. Yeah. So you go with that. You have the Confederates versus the Northern Union. I forgot the name, the actual name of the Northern Union. But when that happens, we also have, you know, Native Americans that joined in the war and this, that, and the third. And they did different tactics like this thing called like the snake tactic where they mapped out different places on where to go where they could attack the Confederate army unknowingly and very strategically to cripple them in battle. That worked. They have places like Mississippi Places in Georgia, places in uh, not really Florida, but I think Florida, Alabama, and these different places where they were able to kill off the Confederate Army and defeat them in battle and do different taxes just like that. Outcome of the Civil War, 1865, the Northern one, they had to give up the slaves, even though they were still slaves. There was still slaves in plantations that went on even to a recent plantation that was found in 2013. So the word didn't always get out automatically about the slaves being freed, but, you know, obviously to that standpoint, slaves was free and, you know, black people were supposed to be black people were supposed to be uh, uh, given the 40 acres and a mule, which comes across as the reconstruction era and the whole thing about fixing the land. And when black people had their own like towns, cities, and all this other stuff, and they was able to do their own things. They was able to have churches. They was able to have schools. They was able to have modes of transportation. We weren't poor. like We was able to do our own things. What comes with that is the jealousy of the white mob, the jealousy of the white people, jealousy of uh, poor whites that didn't like the fact the matter that black people were mobilizing and we was able to do our own thing, which led to a lot of riots, led to a lot of attacks which led to a lot of legal killings of towns that black people had and especially because black people started to get into economics and they was had the ability to trade with other countries around the world off of the, the products that they produced because they was very skilled in their labor. You know why? They were very skilled. So, you know, white people didn't like that, white supremacy didn't like that. So, they was like, nah, we about to shut it down." So, you had all this stuff going on, and I also want to mention for a second, it wasn't just problems in the South that that was going on with. In the North, they had problems, too. Here in New York, you also know about the thing called Seneca Village. Seneca Village was a very famous black town, middle-class middle, middle class black town in New York. In New York, you already had a lot of towns that was out here. You should do research. We have something called um, Weeksville. Weeksville is a, a small town and a bunch of freed houses that you can still see now is in Brooklyn. I'm not sure if it's Brownsville or it's Bed-Stuy. I don't think it's Bed-Stuy. I get so confused with the neighborhoods in Brooklyn, but you can go over there right now and it's called the um, Weeks, Weeksville Heritage Center and you can check it out. They have a bunch of events there, but they had free houses. But back to Seneca Village, we had different towns and cities in New York. Where it was black people Had our own churches This that and the third Even though my family Doesn't come from the north They come from the south uh, With that being said Seneca Village was Black people Who was middle class income And today's Manhattan Is be from The 80s to the 90s streets You know what I'm saying So during that time They was able to uh, You know prosper We had people doing their own thing We also accepted Other nations of people coming in More specifically the Irish people Before they was called white And all these people who came from the struggle came into our places. We had no problems. We was doing our things. We was trading. We was this, that, and the third. And until about 1856, 1857, the Parks and the Commissions wanted to build this green space, wanted to build this park in the middle of Manhattan because Manhattan was completely a metropolis. There was all streets, no parks, no green spaces, nothing in between. So you imagine a whole entire city or a whole entire borough such as Manhattan having no parks, no nothing, just straight up streets. They wanted to change that. So in order to change that, they said that Seneca Village is in the way. They killed off the Seneca Village. They didn't offer them no money or offer them no spaces to move into a different area. They told them that you just have to leave. So basically, black people and the people that was involved in Seneca Village wasn't having it. So they was like, nah, we're not doing that. So it became a lethal force. And obviously Seneca Village had came into a shanty town and therefore black people were killed off their land in the north. It's not just Seneca Village, but it was other places just like that in New York where the white mob went again. And this this time by the government forces. So we get back into the whole thing. Introducing to you the 1900s. You know, a lot of things happened during that time. Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the Black Wall Street in 1900s. Uh, let's see. The whole thing with the Jim Crow era, the Jim Crow laws and about how they wanted to separate, segregate. And all these different things and then we not want black people to prosper during these times and said that you cannot come into our spaces and this was backed up by law and all these other things so you have the Jim Crow era you also have the red summer of 1919 which gave way to the whole idea of the Harlem Renaissance. But the Renaissance period and the Great Migration period where you had black people who wanted to leave the South because of the racial tension and the riots that was going on there and the unfair treatment of black people during that time. So they wanted to come up north to make a difference. So coming up to the northern cities, it was still a lot of riots because a lot of white people felt as if black people was going to take their jobs. didn't want to hear it. So there was a fight in this, that, and the third. Again, to bring it back to New York perspective, there was still that fight because black people was getting displaced from downtown. From Wall Street all the way up to now in Harlem. So when I talk about gentrification in New York, it's nothing new. Because they've been doing this to black people in Manhattan specifically for centuries upon centuries. So, you know, you had black Wall Street. I mean, you had Wall Street with the African burial grounds had moved up to Five Points. There was a riot there in the 1800s. Moved to Greenwich Village and the Bohemian Village of that time. Black people had a population there to move into Hell's Kitchen, to move into San Juan Hill, which is today the eastern side of Midtown. And then you had moved up more and more and more. Of course, Seneca Village, which would be the 80s and the 90s and this, that and the third, and slowly trying to work their ways up into Harlem, which took a long time because there was still a little bit of a population of black people in Harlem. Before it was a mass population of people and black people in Harlem prior to the 1930s so it was a small population of black people that lived amongst the jewish the italians and this that and the third in harlem before that period so you know just to give you a, a backspread about that so you know it's just what the government does and specifically new york government the government of new york being grimy to black people as usual so you talk about the jim crow era you're also talking about um damn it from the jim crow era to the 1940s and 1950s What they don't tell you is that When our black people came into World War II World War I They were sent out into the battlefield Sometimes with no guns And that they would just get killed off of impact And the army did this strategically And they knew that they could just have A, 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 a so called nigga just die in battle You feel what I'm saying So imagine coming from war And that you're not guaranteed any um, pensions Or guaranteed anything to help you While you come out of this war And you're still filled up with PTSD And all these different things So That gave way to the whole idea of the civil rights movement, and it had to do with taxes as well. Um, Fighting for a cause, and just, you know, tired of the racism that had to go on in the South, and in America in general. All these upsets and all these different things. There was also racism that happened in the Western Hemisphere. I mean, the Western side of the country, such as Oregon, and about how there was a racist town found about a KKK, and they didn't even want Black people to live there in general. We'll get into that later. Um... You know, you had the whole thing that happened with the civil rights movement, gave way to a lot of revolutionary movements of the 60s. Black Panther parties that also included branches of the Chicano, the Chicano chapter, which was the Mexicans and this, that, and the third. So I wish a Mexican would say that black people didn't care for you because that's not true. We also fought for immigrations for a lot of other nations to come into America thanks to us bringing it up as an issue. So that was the 60s. We also had a white branch to the Black Panther Party that listed themselves as white allies right so then you had the feminist movement of the 60s i have my disgruntles about it but i'm not going to mention it and all these different things happened so then after that we get into what is it the disgrunt the dismantling of the system and which I believe this is the reason why gangs was created, because the CIA and the rest of them was up to no good and make it seem like black people couldn't agree with each other when you, when all we was doing was creating street teams to help each other out to survive. 70s came along and, you know, you also had the brothers that came out of Vietnam War strung out on PTSD, didn't have no offers, didn't have no job opportunities, had a hard time finding jobs and stuff like that. Which gave way to the whole idea of like the war on drugs loosely because of the fact that matter a lot of our, a lot of our ancestors now from the Vietnam War were strung up on methadone and you know heroin because they had to use it as a coping mechanism to deal with them coming out of war into society again. So you deal with that. you deal with the fact that matter that you know um, President Richard Nixon was involved in the Watergate scandal, and if it's not Richard Nixon, I'm sorry, but the early the early 70s, the president and being involved in the Watergate scandal and being insane, talking about the war on drugs, 1973 until now, which was targeted towards hippies and blacks. This was confirmed. This was on social media. I wouldn't lie to you about this. So that happened in the late 1970s. Job markets was still a problem. You had a lot of black fathers that left their families in order to find different jobs in different countries. And this is illustrated by a show by the guy from Sanford and Son. And the show is called Baby, I'm Back, which focused on that, about how he comes back to his wife after trying to find a job in a different place in the country and all this other stuff. So that happened. Still wasn't able to find opportunities, had to turn to drugs. But also because of this, Reaganomics came up about how they was trying to do all these different things to get our brothers locked up. So the Reaganomics came along and boom. All these different things happen where crack cocaine comes mysteriously into the black community, and then you know the rest. You understand what I'm saying? Guns and all this other stuff. It's not like black people put it there. It was just majestically found there. So, 90s come up, the crime bill with Bill Clinton, and about how he basically mass incarcerated black men for even just having something as little as a little bit of dime dime bag of weed and marijuana. So, you know... You get into that, and then you get into this whole fiasco now about police brutality and all these different things. Immigration is about Indians being seen in a different light because of the, the, the tactics that happened with 9-11. Then the Mexicans and ICE and immigration. So I just gave you a whole history and a breakdown about this whole entire thing. So I want to tell people, when has America ever been great, first of all? And second of all, is America, and has America always or has been racist? Think, think about that and pond on that. Tread lightly on that. So this still ponders my mind, like, is America racist? I believe America is racist. I think America couldn't survive being America without being racist and I say that with intense pride because there's so many different disadvantages that they've done as I am concerned because I can only speak for me I don't know what it's like to be a Mexican I don't know what it's like to be Chinese I don't know what it's like to be Indian I know what it's like to be a so-called African American though And you have all these stories and all these lies that they told us, not having our real history taught in school, the washed down history of who we are and this, that, and third. To schools not having proper funding and the teachers getting paid and being understaffed and all these different things and not being paid properly, excuse me. And our education, us having to go to different places and neighborhoods and different towns to get a better, better education. In which some schools don't even want to diversify Because of the fact of the matter They are so sufficient with just having Quote unquote" white and Asian students This is not me being racist Because this happens in New York City And we've been sitting up there talking about it And the fact of the matter Public schools in the neighborhood that I live in You know They don't have the proper funding They don't have the proper like curriculums And this that and the third And they do this purposely I, I touched upon this in the education episode Last episode Last week and, you know, the only reason why the whole idea about the school system changes now in my theory and how I feel about it is because white people is moving uptown and white people is coming into our neighborhoods. So now they want to change the whole curriculum and find a way of trying to get more white people to stay in our neighborhoods and stuff like that while we're being in the process of being kicked out and all this other stuff ran out of here. So to tell me that America isn't racist is just hearsay. Especially when you're dealing with a Trump (laughs) You're dealing with a Trump You're dealing with a president such as Trump That'll call different places in the world Shithole countries That has more or less More of an Afro-diasporic population But at the same time Racism works in a way Because look at South Africa And look at all the white people That live in South Africa And how they ask the president If they could help them Because South Africans want they land back And they're tired of dealing with these British people out there as being racist to them and all these other stuff. A lot of people don't understand racism. And the thing about it is racism at the core is about genetic survival. So at the end of the day, when you talk to me about racism and you talk about how black people act a certain way, we're acting about that way because of response from what you did in a government that serves you, you know, as a so-called white person or well, whatever, because let's face the truth. If it was Asians, if it was Chinese dominating the place and it was being racist towards black people, we still would have the same attitude. But so-called in this land mass of America, it's white people that own the land. It's white people that's the presidents. there's the white people that's behind these Congress and everything else. Yes, we do have black people that's in the office somehow, some way. That's in the co- Congress, that's in the Senate, that's in the House of Representatives, all that other stuff. And then three branches of government. We so-called had our, we had our so-called black president Before 2017 2016 Barack Obama who's African he's not African-American he's African he's biracial So let's just make that clear so I hate it when people say well y'all had a black president y'all had a black president because first of all he was African he wasn't African-American he moved to America so his story is different from someone like me as a so-called African-American because I actually was born on American soil you understand what I'm saying and the thing, the thing about it is I never moved from no other country. And the ancestry of my family, we ain't never moved from no other, no other country. We never moved from Africa. You understand what I'm saying? As far as I'm concerned. So it's no hate on anybody who's African. I'm just trying to say, like, that was the story. So, you know, with Barack Obama, you know, it's a different thing that we say. But to understand racism and to talk about this whole idea of racism, it's very hard for me to understand because it's like, My story, I can see, you know what I'm saying, how America has been racist towards me, been racist towards people around me just because we black. You know, I had to deal with the police brutality issue. So, you know, excuse me for being shooken up. And when I say things like fuck the police and I'm not saying it for shock value, I'm not saying it to be cool. Like I really had to deal with situations with the police where they were being very unfair to me still to this day. And trying to meet a quota So they said Let's get this random black guy over here And tell him the whole story About how we're looking for A black man that's wearing some A hoodie and some jeans And this in the third in the neighborhood And they say it all the time And it gets old Because I understand what they're saying Like they're just looking to get my ID And look for a quota And to stop check Any black American That's wearing a hoodie Or wearing um jeans So it's not It's not about me being rude It's just This is mere fact And it's, it's surprising that I can't even look at a black officer or a cop and just be like, oh, I could treat you differently because you're close to me. Cops, I feel, is all the same. So, you know, family, I'm losing my 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 thought process in doing this whole thing about is America racist because I just gave you a whole entire history about it. But today's language or what we talk about with Trump, make America great again. And besides that point about talking about Things like now the upcoming election and I actually was just watching the Black Agenda on YouTube and you had Candace Owens that was making light of this whole thing about the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. I mean, at the end of the day, it's two parties. I don't think there's anything to it. I mean, we us as black Americans was geared into this whole thing about talking about how we should be Democrats to help us and progress. But Republicans are supposed to be seen as evil. As I see it now in 2019 There's no difference between the parties It's mainly this whole idea of Pepsi and Coca-Cola Type of effect Either you like Pepsi or you like Coca-Cola What do you like? It's the same thing It's still a cola And to me It's not only trying to talk about Which one is going to actually help Black people get out of this bondage And this, that, and the third And then you have these parties like The LGBTQ And the, 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 the the feminist movement that talk about they want to help black lives because I've heard people out of those parties talk about they want to help black people and this, that, and the third, but they're not trying to help black people if it's only for their benefit. You understand? And I have a hard time taking that up. You know, I have a hard time believing people when they sit here and they say that they want to help black people. And the only reason I raise this issue up is because that's all I know. If you have a story of being Chinese and how you have it hard in this country, please let me know. As a white person, if you had it hard in this country, please let me know, because I would love to talk about it. But the things that I see around me and the changes and all these different things that they've been able to scape on with black people in the past for a couple of years, it's just kind of insane to me. The fact of the matter that we're seen as poor, we're seen as worthless. And then in our communities, all these foreigners can build all these businesses, but you never see black businesses in a white, white neighborhood. And it's not that you can't have black businesses in a white neighborhood. They wouldn't want you to. But Indians, Arabs, um, Chinese people, all these different things. And, you know, corporations like Popeye's can use this whole entire terminology of urban market to appeal to black people to buy a chicken sandwich. And you're sitting here telling me that there isn't racism, that black people can't just be as, success, as successful in their own neighborhoods without this idea of not having proper funding from redlining and from white flight. Not to sit here and say that black people couldn't do it on their own because of white people. Black people have been able to do it on their own without the help of white people. So. You know, again, it's very hard for me to take into perspective when people say things like that and they try to sit here and say, oh, you don't know struggle or you're the minority and this, that and the third. And it's like, well, if you guys care so much, if you guys don't care for the lives of black people, then why do you do the things that you do? And why do you keep continuously mentioning us if you don't care, you know? And, And it's like a bullying tactic because there would be no reason why you need to bring it up unless there's unless you feel some type of way about who we are. And you have to Because there would be no reason why y'all have to do all these grimy stuff to us To feel the way that we feel And I know family, I know there's people out there of Different nationalities probably listen to this podcast right now But I only say this because I want you guys to recognize What the hell is going on And for you guys to understand what where I come from when it comes with this Politics of racism today Makes it very difficult for certain people to have relationships of, the, of other nations And we mean that And that's true, we know this is true And the only thing I can say is that awareness needs to happen. Awareness needs to be brought to the forefront. And real quickly into the next segment, I'm going to insert my personal ordeals real quick and then we're going to wrap it up for season two. But I want you guys to be more wary of what you guys talk about before you sit here and talk about, oh, I'm just complaining and I'm just trying to make a big deal out of nothing because I've actually dealt with these situations, you know? Well, uh, You know, this is crazy In order for me to understand racism I'm kind of trying to give solutions But I'm still shooken up on how I feel I mean, me being a black American Like the stuff that I see in the media Because it does The stereotypes I want to get into now Because it feels as if certain nationalities That live in America Doesn't have it to a disadvantage of other people Like they sit here and they say they deal with struggle But you deal with discrimination more than you deal with struggle So it's a difference between you and I so, to get it into perspective, I really feel like America does not like black families, does not like the idea, and does not love black families. They'll promote interracial relationships, but they don't want to promote black men being with black women. And I'm gonna stand on my pulpit and I'm gonna say it. And I really don't care how you feel. My thing about it is, is like, even looking at these TV shows, the closest thing you can have to a black family is a biracial woman and a black man with a show called Blackish with mixed kids. And the, fetish, the fetishization of white men. To black women and white women to black men. And I don't care how you feel. The fact of the matter that they promote all these mixed interracial couples, specifically black and white, but I still have not seen a fair representation of black families on a on the television shows yet. On the televisions, mind you. And then they have this show coming out with I Love I Abba Shola or whatever her name is. Just I don't know how to pronounce her name. But it's supposed to be this fat white man who meets this like African, Like nurse or whatever And this, that, and the third But like why can't there be a black love TV show Why can't it be that Like why is it always interracial couples Like black people can't love each other And then the fact of the matter I've seen over the summer About how they had the whole thing If it wasn't the summer Then early this year About how there was a black mother That was pregnant And had a daughter And about how the police Held a gun against that, that, that mother While she was out there With her daughter in the car And her two daughters and this, that, and the third. And and, and her father, the black, the father was black. And about how they was holding a gun and accusing them of stealing because of their child picking up something by an accident in Arizona. Come on now. Or a couple of years ago or last year about how they had the story of the black child that accidentally fell into the pit where the gorilla was in a zoo in Cleveland. And how they blamed the, the, the parents being very negligent and about how they don't take care of their kids and trying to figure out the police record on the father that was black every day we see this and more and more we get aggravated you know what i'm saying what about the mexicans how much you put fear into them about how there are illegal immigrants that come to the states they work 15 to 16 hours a day and then you know what happens? the ice and the rest of them is like, yo, you got to go, you got to pack up your stuff. And now they're in fear mode because they come to America for a great opportunity to make some money and to do better in life. And then they're like, yo, you got to go. And this, that and the third and blah, say, blah, say, blah. You know, it's, it's a wild one. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's crazy to me because it's like, America is a whole entire continent. You have North America, you have Central America, you have South America, but what is Mexico? Is Mexico Central America, North America, or is it, south america which is crazy to me so what is it you tell me you know what i'm saying why do you give people a hard time but then sit here when they come to the united states you tell them stuff like oh you need to speak english this is america but mind you canada is part of america mexico is a part of america places like panama nicaragua and like places like brazil or it's you know colombia or whatever have you is a part of america the languages are just different just like around the world, if I come over to France and I start speaking the way that I'm speaking now in English and someone says to me in a rude gesture in French, you need to learn how to speak speak French. And this and the third, this is France. What's wrong with you? I'd be like, yo, that's messed up. It's like we tie America to this whole idea of pride and intensity of like these imaginary patriotic rules that you set upon people just so that they could love America. And when I say that I don't love America because I don't like the stuff that they do, oh, you're not American. Move back. Move, why don't you move out of here? Why don't you go to back where you come from? And that's a common thing that I'll be told if I say that. Where am I moving back to? I was born in America. You understand what I'm saying? All right, my family's lineage has always been in America. So what are you talking about? So, with that being said, also the stigmas that come with the Indians, about Indians and Muslims still being. Um, tied to and i mean muslim muslims is not a a race it's not a, a a a nationality or ethnicity it's a religion you understand what i'm saying but we tie we we usually say muslim people and when we say muslim people we usually tie them and make them you know affiliated with um arabs and people who look arab or people who look indian right about how we look at them and they terrorists, so we say, oh y'all gonna bomb the place, so y'all y'all gonna bomb this and y'all gonna bomb that. Oh, you got bombs. Especially when you talk about the whole thing that came into this whole stereotype since Osama bin Laden, but about how you know the whole thing happened with the whole disparity. This reports about how he was he was already working with the American government. I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying it's true. I'm not saying it's not true. I don't know. And then the fact of the matter is something happened And then it was the bombing in the World Trade Center of 1993 So finally the planes crashing in 2001 So, I mean, what? All these stereotypes for nothing Just because you feel insecure about yourself But you've been able to feel insecure for centuries upon end Ever since you got over here you had some problem with people who were different from you So the real root of racism is jealousy and, and the idea of within that jealousy Oh no I need to survive Nobody's better than me I'm superior than you But like every nationality Every race And every you know Type of people of a different background Has things that they put into the melting pot That's what makes America great essentially I mean this is a place for immigrants after all You understand what I'm saying? Everybody was an immigrant in some type of way so when we're talking about racism and if, if America is racist, in order to decrease the likelihood of racism, let's do away with these stereotypes. Let's show more representation and stop trying to focus on two specific groups loving each other because it's all about a fetishization and trying to create genocide for one group. And trying to make it seem like one group are the bad guys instead of the good guys who's just trying to survive in your system and in your um, imaginary fictional barter system that you call your money system in an economy There's a lot more solutions I can give to it about what it will take for America to not be racist But the idea is are still going to support racism at the end of the day And the only thing that you're going to cause is war And then of course you going out doing external affairs and causing wars with different countries when you don't need to Stealing resources You know, creating U.S. embassies because of it and all these other stuff. So, yeah, when I say that I'm not proud to be an American and I don't like listing myself as an American, it's for it's for the pure purpose that this country has never been good to me and my people. This country has never been good to people in general. There's always been something. And it's just like, why? Why do that? Why can't you be fair? Why can't you admit that you're wrong? Why can't you admit you're sorry? And why can't you give us our real history is my complaint. And to any person out there that thinks that I'm complaining, do the research and and actually listen to what a lot of people say, because I'm not the only person who thinks this way. There's a lot of people who think like me. And like I said, America has not proven itself to not be racist. Every time you speak about the things that America does, everybody was going to say, well, that's unpatriotic. What you do is unpatriotic. There's no pride in being racist and being um, mean To a group of people And groups of people Just because they're not you In your own country But yet we're paying taxes we're, we're sitting up there Having to pay for everything To survive in this country So with that being said That's all I really want to end off with That's I don't know how to really go about it But you know The the elections is coming up And all I think That I can think in my head Is, is a bunch of lies there's a bunch of You know Inconvenient things To make it seem as if like Oh yeah we love We love America We want to do better We want to do better But then use black people As a charity case Because we're so We're so called poor And this that and the third But y'all put us In these conditions So what are you Really talking about So with that being said Family I don't know where To go with this Like I said before I'm on the brinks Of everything But um You know I would like to give A special shout out To everybody Who's listening to this podcast Every single Sunday Um 8pm as I usually do you know, I really rip it. I really give it my my all and my two cents on everything. I have a couple of things lined up in the future for this podcast. I'm not going to speak about it now, but, um, you know, I'm going to be working on, you know, trying to get some more platforms for this podcast to move forward. But otherwise than that, you know, um, you know, if you guys really enjoyed it, you know, give me feedback. Let me know what it is that I could do better, what you enjoy, what you didn't like. But um, we need to move towards a better nation. We need to move more- more positively and towards a better brink of things because things won't change unless we really be real about the conversation and not nipping in the bud like we tend to do and with that being said you know uh peace and hair grease and i'm finally podcasting see you for season three much love